Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Welcome to the Runner's World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're talking with legendary fell runner Steve Birkenshaw. How's it going, Ben? It's going good, mate. I think uh, a bit more running. I've had to, had to ease off ever so slightly this this week. Um, just simply for the fact that a few little a sort of the recurring injury niggle stuff has sort of raised its head. So mm. being very sensible and listening to that and... Uh, trying not to, to put too much load through things, but um, trying to continue on the uh, strength and conditioning, which is just endless, to be honest. I know that we were, we, <laughs> you know, we're men are champion this, but like, it's, it is annoying after a while when you're just sort of, you know, I mean, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but you, you go through the, you know, everything feels good. So that's, that's mm. sort of part of the issue, but you sort of, you're cracking on. And if, I guess without a gym, it's tricky, but I've got lots of resistance bands and, you know, yeah, weird bits of kit that you can use to do all this sort of stuff. But yeah, there's a sort of degree of strength and conditioning fatigue where you just kind of like, yeah, I've, you know, you feel like you're making strengthening moves, but who knows? I, I, know, I know what you mean. It, it can feel a little bit like a kind of um, Pandora's box bit, can't it? Where you're like, like how much of this should I do? And I was looking, cause I, I, I was trying to do sort of two or three strength and conditioning things a week and let's sort of divide it between like, I've got a Swiss ball, and mm. then I've got a kettlebell, basically. But um, this guy, uh, I think it's uh, Brad Stolberg, I'm going to say. Uh, okay. And he, he created what he thought was like the, the, the ultimate minimalist strength and conditioning. So it's, it's five moves. Yeah. And I think it really is about 15 minutes. So it's, it's like a, a goblet squat. Um, right. The single leg deadlift and a, uh, and a lunge. So that's like your leg, your three leg bits, basically. And then chin ups and press-ups and and we're talking kind of for the lower leg stuff like three times eight reps and then probably three times 15 press-ups and three times six mm-hmm. chin-ups yeah that. and he says like it's not it's not the ideal one like you would like if you were an olympian you wouldn't be like you yeah, have nailed strength and conditioning because I, I do this <laughs> twice a week but if you I've like some chin-ups. I'm, I'm kind of bored by strength and conditioning and, and i don't want to get injured yeah it's like that's that's a minimal amount that you can do and it'll be effective great I'll do that. It's not bad, is it? Because I'm, I'm with you, mate. I think it can be it can be a drag, can't it? Particularly if you want to get out and actually do the the activity that you love. If you're like, no, I've got to spend 20 minutes with the old Swiss ball oh, tonight. I mean, I like think that's it. Kind of... Like you know, everyone's oh, when you want to run, you can just put on your shoes and go. And I'm just there, like, oh, well, I better do all my activation before I set <laughs> off. And you know, then you come in and it's like, well, I better deactivate or whatever it is you meant. You know, so I mean, it is really important. Yeah. I don't want to like my my general disdain for it isn't sort of to dilute the fact that it's important but mm. every single when you're preempt when you're when you're sort of preloading every run with this like 20 minute banded whatever i'm just like mm. i'm not a pro 
I don't want to be, I don't, that's not my aim. That, that's I feel, it. That's I, it, I man, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It. And also, we're in a flat, basically, so there's not a lot of room. That's yeah. A, so I can do... I can do some of the kettlebell stuff out outside, but then mm. I'm like, if I'm on the Swiss ball, I'm in the front room, and like, yeah. <laughs> my wife's trying over. to watch, you know, trying to watch like TV or like read a book or something, and, and I'm there like, you know, just sort of falling off the Swiss ball, you know. Yeah. It's just, I just think like, oh, this is, I probably look like a bit of a tit here in many yeah. ways. <laughs> so it's just, sure. hard, it's just hard to fit in in many ways. Very, very true. Well, so there you go. There's, there's our hot take on the importance of strength and conditioning. Yeah. Well, that's it. No, I think I'm with you. I think it's really important, and I've noticed a big difference. It's just if there was a way of really getting super excited about strength and conditioning, then mm. um, then I'd be it, up for it. Maybe there is. Maybe someone could 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 you know write in podcast at runnersworld. dot co. dot uk and just say, hey guys, hey guys, I've have got you the considered thing for you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um. Yes, a bit of news. So Alyssa Clark is on the brink of running 100 marathons in 100 days. Wowza. Yes, I think the, the existing female record was 61 marathons in 61 days. Mm-hmm. Um, but Clark, who's from the US, but is based in Italy, uh, is now on number 98, I believe, uh, did her first 30 runs on a treadmill due to lockdown uh, situation, uh, but has, uh, is now outside running these marathons, uh, and she's uh, running to bring help. Uh, no, to bring clean water to young women and girls in South Sudan and Pakistan. So, great cause, and yeah, amazing achievement. Hundred, yeah, hundred marathons, hundred days. Absolutely, that is epic. crazy. Is she doing a strength and conditioning though, Ben? That's just big old. Don't... Yeah, true. Is she <laughs> activating before she starts running? <laughs> yeah, fair play. I wonder what she do when she gets to hundred. Do you just maybe just carry on? I think you'd stop. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely stop. Yeah, I think you'd stop, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. You'd have to stop. All right, well, um, I tell you, no stranger to the epic challenge is, is um, our guest this week. So let, let's get our, our guest of the week on. Nice. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio. Or a complete unknown. Our guest this week is a legend within the fell running and ultra running community. Uh, he's won dozens of races, including uh, the Lakeland 100 and the Dragon's Back. And we're delighted to speak with him now. So Steve Burke, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Let's start at the beginning then. How did you first get into to mountain running? Well, I started orienteering with my family when I was very young. So I started going out by myself when I was about seven. Uh, and that was my focus until I guess my mid 20s but then I started whilst I was orienteering I started mountain running as well just because I enjoyed it and it got me fit and it was also a great sort of to push myself really hard if you're running against other people in the mountains it's a good way of pushing yourself to the limit so it was great all around and then the orienteering sort of took a back burner and the mountain mountain running sort of sort of became more important in my life yeah your 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 list of results is is a fairly impressive one um do you do you have a, a favourite um, uh, or one that perhaps you're most proud of amongst your achievements? Yeah, I think it's got to be when I broke the record for doing all 214 Wainwright Fells. I certainly had to, so that was six and a half days and I had to push myself harder uh, than I ever had before and you know, push myself to the limit. And it was really hard, but it was great. And the sort of the achievement having done that was amazing. So I, I am most proud of that one. Um, but there's some other ones like recently I've won a few 
mountain marathons outright and you know i'm over 50 now and still be up there racing and at the front you know makes me really happy that i can still do that um and i've had a lot of issues after doing the wainwright bells and to have got through that and got back to a good high level again it makes me makes me happy that is remarkable, though, isn't it? To be to be winning like marathon races, so not 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 massively long distances compared to some of the stuff you've done at over fifty. Do you, do you think that in some ways, like age and experience, can trump kind of youthful exuberance in in the mountains? Yeah. <laughs> um, to some degree, yes. Um, obviously, if I had my head on a twenty-year-old, I'd be even faster. <laughs> I think, but. Um, I think it does help in some respects. So mountain marathons are quite a technical thing. You've got to be able to navigate well. You've got to find the right lines. You've got to have the right kit. And having all that experience of running on the, the hills, the mountains for 30-odd years definitely helps. Um, you know, pacing again. I used to start off races much too fast when I was in my 20s. Uh, <laughs> you know, struggle second half. But, you know, now I'm, now I'm 50, you know, I've got that even even thing that I can just carry on know what speed to run at and carry on so i might you know finish at the right speed finish fast rather than walking the last you know hour or so so yeah that helps has your has your um has your training changed much have you sort of has your mileage decreased as you got older or increased or have you done something different have you always have you always had the same approach uh similar approach my approach to training is actually mostly just enjoyment I love running on the fells, running on the hills. Um, so I do as much as that as I can. Uh, and then I do fit in some hard interval sessions as well. Um, so, yeah, it's I guess it's not changed a lot. Probably more gone for the enjoyment side rather than anything else. But, yeah, it's not, not, not massively different. That's good to hear. That means I don't have to, we we don't have to be going out and trying new things all the time. <laughs> I think if you enjoy it, that's the key thing because then it becomes pleasurable and just being outside is nice. And if if it becomes a pain and you don't enjoy it, then you won't carry on training all your life, you know. So that that's my sort of philosophy. So I remember a few years ago, Steve. Um, I I uh, you know, I, I kind of heard about um fell running and I thought, oh. I, one of those sort of terrible sort of middle-class southerners you thought i'm gonna go and give this a go and uh i had a go at the ennerdale horseshoe which i'm sure you've probably, you've probably won that multiple times but um it's not a bit it's not a beginner's event and i, I quickly realized uh well, about a quarter of the way through that i really didn't have the skills required like i wasn't unfit but i just didn't have the skills required to to do well in the mountains um what, what would you say are the skills required though and uh, how can you go about kind of developing them if you if you don't have like mountains on your doorstep? Yeah, well, it's, it's hard if you don't have them on your doorstep. Yeah, right. Gosh, the Ennerdale Horseshoe was a big <laughs> a big one to do first time. <laughs> you know, it's one of the toughest races out there. Yeah, it was it was um, a long long day, Steve, in many ways. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's hard, isn't it? Because uh, if you haven't got on your doorstep, you can't just go out and run on them, and that's mm. the best way of learning to to do well on it is going out running on the rough terrain um, so that you learn to be able to do it in a relaxed, easy way. Even if they're the fittest person in the world, you've got to get used to running on rocks and through through heather and bracken and stuff. So, you know, those are skills that it's hard to get 
if you've not if you're not spending all your time yeah. running on the fells. Um, navigation wise, it, it's also hard. You've got to you've got to get used to looking ahead, seeing the lines. It's it's quite technical in that respect. Descending is something that's really hard if you haven't got those. Um, the hills on your doorstep but there's always most places you know if you live in london there are a lot of hills in the sort of north downs or whatever there are hills you can go out and run and practice these things there's plenty of orienteering events down all around the country where you can practice your navigation practice running through rough terrain so it is harder but it is possible to do to, to improve your, your sort of ability mountain running ability wherever you live um I mean, you sort of talked about being an orienteer since you were a child and um, how important that is possibly as a sort of skill to learn. Do you think that um, being a decent map reader is, is a sort of dying art with the GPS watches and, and adding routes to everything? And, and you know, is it is it still crucial to how you enjoy the mountains and, and maybe how others should as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a map reader. I love map reading. Um, I love maps. Um, but I do take a GPS out with me if I'm out at night in bad weather um just as a sort of safety thing mm. uh i do think yeah it is a bit of a sort of a dying arts but there will always be people that love maps and you know it's to me it's following a gps route isn't the same as looking at the mountains ahead seeing how they relate to the map uh you get a much bigger picture when you're looking at a map and yeah i've yeah, I think some people will always enjoy that side of things. And it is an improvement because you are looking at the bigger picture, you're you're feeling the landscape a bit more and it makes sort of you appreciate it more, probably makes you safer because you know where everything relates to each other. But yeah, it is a bit of a worry. Some people are obsessed with just following the GPS. But hopefully the more you get out there, the more you learn, you'll appreciate maps as well and it sort of if it helps people get out there and reading maps at the same time then gps's can be good yeah, yeah no i'm a huge fan of an os map i love them i think they're great i think um uh i just I, i'm not I'm not particularly like an or someone a fan of orienteering but i can i can spend hours just looking at sort of trying to discover old bits of path that have been long forgotten or hidden by a farmer or something like that those are the sort of <laughs> things i like and those are the sort of things that i like finding on maps yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I can just sometimes spend hours just looking at a map. <laughs> yeah. I do think I'm a bit odd in that respect, but there's obviously other people. Well, yeah, well, well. I, know, I can do the same. Yeah. I wonder, <laughs> wonder, Steve, if I could get you interested in, in this challenge that I've been banging the drum for for years. But this is this is taking in all the highest points of every London borough in one great um, circumnavigation. No, no one, no one's done it individually, and I feel like maybe maybe this that you could come be. down, Steve, and, and kind of claim that FKT. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, well, there'd be a lot of road running in there, wouldn't there? Yeah, I guess. it's not. It's not the prettiest of running. <laughs> Shut up, Ben. Come on. You're meant to be standing here. Yeah, we did yeah. it. As, we did it as a relay. It's it's uh, d- depending on you know. There's some bits that are quite green, but some bits yeah. are, are are not. I'm calling it the, the smog. The smog Graham round. That was what it got. Uh, it got known as. Uh, yeah. So, so, so you, you you must have seen lots of um lots of changes i guess in in the fell running scene since you since you started uh what what would what would some of those be would you say yeah i i mean the basis is the same you're still running up and down the hills um and if it's nice weather you're still in the shorts and vest you're not a lot of you know the equipment the basic equipment's not 
not changed. But I guess the safety equipment is a big thing. So, you know, the, my waterproofs I run with, you know, they're so much more high tech than they were when yeah. I started, lighter, more breathable. Um, the shoes are slightly better, probably not much more grip than when I started, but much more comfortable. You can wear them for hours and hours. I'm very old school because I don't carry any like water or anything with me. I just drink from the streams when I'm up in the mountains. Wow. But I guess that side of thing has changed, all the nutrition and side of stuff. But it's you know I, I yeah say pretty much do do what I did thirty years ago in that respect. What, what do you what do you eat then? Apart um, like what what would be? Are you doing gels? Or are you doing like what, real food? Um, if I'm doing a shortish, well up to three or four hours and I will have gels and stuff just because they're quite handy. Um, if it's a long, any longer than that, then they give me a dodgy stomach. So I try to eat proper food, which is what the guys used to do in the eighties. You know, they take their jam sandwich up on with them and yeah. just eat that one. You're running and, you know, in many respects, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. I don't think there's anything magic in these like modern nutrition stuff, right? You can probably get most of it from, from real food. I guess it's just more convenient, isn't it? To have, a sort of tiny gel rather than a, a jam sandwich. Although I know what I'd prefer, personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's what you prefer and what's easier, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, as long as anyone's happy, you just try different things and see what's works best, I guess. Rick's been banging the drum about um, uh, dates. Well, they're not special ones, though, aren't they, Rick? They're the oh, big the, fancy ones. Oh, yeah, the medjool date. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they are good. Oh, yeah, well, they are nice. Um yeah, yeah, they sound good. I mean, I've gone back to eating a lot of nuts and stuff when I'm on the for really long runs, just because you know cashew nuts. I just love them, but you know. So that's almost that's almost in the kind of like fueling like fat as fuel, I guess, isn't it? Because they would be very high in fat. It content, is, yeah. yeah. Which for a long, long, long run, you know, you're looking at like a twelve hour day. That's fine. Mm. Um, obviously, wouldn't work as much probably for a marathon distance, but you know, it's different sort of different sort of speed because you're going so much slower that your body can cope with the fat stuff. You must have had a few, I imagine, whilst whilst doing the big races. What has been the scariest experience you've had uh, whilst running uh, or racing? Yeah, I not many. I guess because I'm confident and relaxed where I am all the time in the mountains, I don't have that many. There was the Bordel Fell race probably about six years ago. I managed to... I was trying to find the route and I wasn't concentrating because I fall over all the time, but I get my hands down. But this time I just wasn't concentrating and fell over and landed on a big rock on my face and made sort of a hole in my face. Like I had a third nostril type thing and blood was pouring out. Um, but it wasn't too bad. I just got a hat out of my bum bag, put it on the thing and sort of jogged for half an hour to the road and then went to the hospital and got it all stitched up. So I suppose that wasn't wasn't too bad. I just sort of dealt with it. I maybe was more scared, like probably when I was like 12, when we went, family went to Norway when we were orienteering. And Norwegian forests aren't like the forests we have in this country. They just carry on forever. And I got completely lost. I hadn't seen anyone for ages, didn't know at all where I was. And that was a bit scary as a 12-year-old. But I sort of took a compass bearing, headed back in the right way and sort of found out where I was. But, you know, I guess that sort of experience is coping with these things when I was young means that now I'm very relaxed and always confident as to know where I am. I was, I was just thinking about the, uh, the sort of cool headedness of a 12 year old yeah, to not panic. <laughs> <laughs> there was a bit of panic there, but yeah, you I guess you have to cope with it. Don't you? Yeah. Uh, no, I had been volunteering three or four years there. 
so yeah i knew roughly what i was doing <laughs> that's good well, why do you think you might be drawn to these kind of big challenges steve do you think it's, it's, it's something that's always been in you or is it the kind of is it partly the danger or is it the kind of challenge of pushing yourself to, to the limit i do love pushing myself to the limit i guess i also have some sort of ability of running long distances um and I've always had that sort of stubborn character that sort of my parents found me really annoying because I didn't do whatever I was told. I just <laughs> wanted to do my own thing. Uh, and I think that's carried on. I've just set myself a challenge and I will just do it. Um, so, you know, it's it's maybe in my nature that this sort of thing appealed to me. Mm. And I just love also running in the hills, running, just running outside. That's what really makes me happy. Mm, yeah. um, and to do it, super long way maybe with friends running with you you know that's that's sort of my ideal sort of place to be have you ever, have you ever put yourself through a uh, a pure road race before or has it never really come up as a thing you want to do i did my first road race about must have been about 10 years ago i did a 10 mile road race around dirt water um it was very very painful yeah, <laughs> different sort of pain than running on the mountains, but just being at that limit the whole time. You you ran well, didn't you? You ran like what fifty? Was it like fifty-seven minutes or something? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, I can run on the roads, but it's just it's ah, as I say, it was a different sort of pain that I wouldn't want to go through too often. Yeah, um, so no, I, I, think... I do appreciate these guys run fast marathons and fast half marathons. I think it's um it's really interesting the people that we've spoken to and our and personal experience as well. I, I grew up running and no annoying but just in the sort of the flat countryside of Wiltshire. And um, you know, you wouldn't really ever bother with the roads. There wasn't really much need for it. You could just go off and there's lots of byways and stuff and, and you could run that way. And that was kind of that was as you say under but then I think people who could come in to run in via parks and roads and that sort of stuff. It's sort of the the staggering the staggered, the staggered discovery of how much nicer it is to run outside <laughs> in in nature rather than it is to you know sort of everyone's signing up for road races for for marathons for half marathons around city centres. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think you know road running definitely has its place and it's great, but I think a lot of people enjoy the trail running, which is obviously why it's taken off a lot more. The trail running, hasn't it? People enjoy just going somewhere in the nature a bit more, seeing seeing the wildlife, seeing things grow rather than just the road. But, you know, it's, it's in, you know, and the mountains, I guess, is the next stage up after that. It's something even more different. Um, yeah, even, yeah, maybe more extreme, but it's, for me, it's more enjoyable. So I'm intrigued, Steve, by the, the title of your book, that there's no map in hell. Um, how did you happen upon that title and, and what's the book all about? Yeah, so it's about me well, my background up to the, running the Wainwrights and then completing the Wainwrights. Um, and the book, the title came along a bit of a strange way because um, I was talking to a friend about writing a book. She knows a bit more about writing books than me. And I was sort of, we were having a discussion. Our kids were both there and they were playing a game on their phone. And one of the kids said, you know, there's this game here. Look, uh, there's, there's, most of it has a map to show you where you are. But one section said, look, in hell, there's no map in hell. <laughs> and this friend said, oh, that's a great title for the book. And I thought, yeah, yeah, that's right. It is a good title because, you know, maps have been my life since I was seven. Um, and the whole point of the Wainwrights is 
you go you do go through hell but there's no map there's no instructions showing you how to get out of it so it's sort of apt to the bunny and the wainwrights as well because there's no there's no instructions there's no map to help you you've got to work out yourself how to cope with that pain and how to get through all that pain that there is and has to be if you're running that sort of length for six and a half days when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is the Runner's World Podcast. You, you also accompanied Killian Journey when he was uh, doing his record-breaking Bob Graham round. Um, what, was, what was that experience like? It was great. I mean, he, I met him when he'd been out at the end of the third leg, so he'd been out eight hours, and I thought, oh, hopefully I'll be able to keep up with him. <laughs> But I couldn't. <laughs> uh, I wasn't super fit at the time, but, you know, he was gradually pulling away from me, going up the hills, and I thought, wow, it's impressive. Uh, so I had to miss out a few summits. But he, he was great. He just loved, I guess, like me, just loves being out in the mountains running. Um, uh, so that was what's, what makes him happy. And it was a bit odd because as we were going on a bit further on, more and more people came along. And I think he became a little bit sort of... Less happy almost. He suddenly realised that this was now his job again, which is obviously, you know, running is his job. And he he obviously has to have, you know, has to keep people happy and has to have people around him. But in many ways, he's just enjoying himself more, just being out by himself with a couple of other people. Um, and he, he was just really, really nice. Yeah, you do get a very, there's a real sense of um, enjoyment from him when you see him out running. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's 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 a very well documented runner. There's always a film around his last, like you know, and every Salomon are very good at tracking his events and stuff. You always get to see a, quite a lot of what he's doing, um, and I, you always see a real a real level of enjoyment and, and fun from him, which I think is missing sometimes from from other 
other videos of runners. You kind of you, there's a very seriousness to it. Whereas he's always seems to be having a good time. <laughs> oh yeah, I was going to say that for you, like pushing yourself to the limit has had its consequences. Like you know, you experienced uh, I think it was chronic fatigue syndrome when you, after you did the, the Wainwrights round. Um, what have you learnt through through that experience? Yes, so I mean that was quite quite bad um because i didn't listen to my body when i finished i thought oh well i'll feel a bit tired i'll carry on running training and racing and i gradually got worse and worse and about a year later i was sort of really struggling um so it was sort of i remember i had to spend sort of three or four days just in bed hardly moving because i just got so tired um and i actually learnt for the whole of my life or a whole, I guess the whole point of this ultra running and extreme running is you don't listen to your body. So your mind's telling you to stop. Everything hurts and you just ignore it. You just carry on because, you know, you just want to carry on. Um, and I actually had to start listening to my body. And when it said, Oh, you're tired. I thought, okay, take it easy for a while. Instead of pushing it hard, just pushing through it. I took it easy. And I had to sort of, change my lifestyle a bit, become the perfect sort of healthy lifestyle. So um, give up alcohol, perfect sort of food. I used to just go out jogging for 20 minutes at a time, just a really low level, just to keep myself moving, um, made sure I sleep regularly, try and remove stress from my life. Um, and over about a year, I gradually got better um, and probably well probably four or five years now since i've had that i've still got to be really careful so if i do too much training or if i get stressed then i could feel it all coming on but i'm now i guess attuned to my body i listen to it and if if i can feel everything coming on i know what to do and know how to take it easy again but yeah it's been an interesting interesting sort of recovering from that um and i've talked to a lot of other people that have had similar things particularly I guess as you get a bit old, you get into forties. Um, you know, you actually have to start listening and be really careful. It's very interesting that you you raise the point that as runners, there's a lot there's a lot of dialogue about pushing through. There's always a chat about through the wall. You've got to get through the wall. You've got to keep going. You've got to do this, and that's part of the sort of the test of the whole experience and then that experience can actually be detrimental because you get so good at ignoring your body that you end up as you like as you experienced developing these 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 you know the chronic fatigue which is sort of in itself a very i guess i mean you'll be able to say more better than i but it's a very complicated sort of um diagnosis because you're talking about uh fatigue which is a very broad topic yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's almost a bit annoying because they, you know, I go to doctors, they give you blood tests and they say there's nothing wrong with you. But it's there is obviously something wrong because I can't do at all as much as I used to be able to do. So you think and I think every person has a different sort of version of it as well. So it's really hard. Um, and you can push yourself through these limits sometimes, but I think it's when you do it too much or for too long a period that you have to, um, that you can suffer the consequences of it. And some people can manage to do it loads and some people, you know, struggle quite early on with not, you know, with pushing it too hard. So everybody's different. Finally, Steve, what, what does what does running mean to you today? And has 
that experience kind of changed the way you you look at running um money yeah running is what makes me happy i mean you know i sometimes get stressed i just go out running um i'm lucky i live in the lake district so i can just run from the door go and run up the nearest fell and i come back you know an hour an hour and a half later just happy and relaxed um it makes me sort of a better person i'd say that's the main thing and keeps me keeps me sane um so yeah that's that's the key thing yeah the two two very good um, reasons to do it i would say yeah and you know i recommend anyone going running obviously because wherever you are it's it's you can know you can run wherever you are you know in the city and along the trails in the fells and i've seen so many people become happier people as a result of running um so it's great i'm sure you two will both agree with that oh 100 oh, yeah yeah definitely yeah i think oh, that's yeah. definitely the uh definitely the better person I think that um, yeah. uh, I think I would I would say that whenever the whenever I'm feeling particularly grumpy, <laughs> or and I, and I am told that I am being grumpy, then the then the only solution is for me to get out and do something, because it just sort of as you yeah. say you sort of, you you burn off that you burn off that excess mood that you've got and it just levels you out again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know my, my wife's very keen on me going out running just because it makes me <laughs> yeah, happy. Yeah. Me too. Person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, Steve, Steve, thanks, thanks so much for for coming on the Runners Roll podcast. It's great to talk to you about um, about your running, and uh, you know, wish you all the best uh, in the future. Yeah, thanks. It's been good. Great, fun. thank you, Steve. Thanks very much. This is the Runners World podcast. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A big thanks to our guest Steve Birkenshaw, and to you, of course, for listening. The Runners World podcast is available on Acast, iTunes, and all your favourite podcast app. Just search Runners World UK. Thanks for listening, and we will see you again next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 